Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott and Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show. Yes, it's the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood tonight for your listening pleasure with Susan Miller and Matty Malnick's orchestra. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello! Cut out that yelling. I just saw you cross the street with your Uncle Mike. Uh, what happened to him? Oh, he went over to the YMCA. He likes to smile through the windows at the girls. But the YMCA has, uh, uh, is only for men. I know, but Uncle Mike is nearsighted, and I haven't got the heart to tell him. I... <laughs> you know, Abbott, Uncle Mike isn't feeling too good. He takes all kinds of pills. One pill goes to his liver, one pill goes to his heart, one pill goes to his stomach, and one pill goes to his kidneys. But they're not helping him. Maybe he needs a new doctor. Doctor? He needs a traffic cop. I... <laughs> Talk sense, please. Science can do wonders. Why do you know that they are... They're even making bread out of wood shavings now. Now, that's a pretty picture. A guy goes in a restaurant and says, give me a hot dog on mahogany with mustard in the knot holes. Castello... <laughs> Doesn't your brain ever work at all? No, I just keep it for a pet. <laughs> but it isn't my fault, Abbott. I led a very sheltered life. You did? Mm-hmm. Yes, until I was 21 years old, I thought a girl was a boy that needed a haircut. Well, I... <laughs> skip it. What have you got in that package? That's a pair of invisible suspenders. Are you sure they're invisible? Sure. The man in the store said they've been out of them for three weeks and they're still selling them. <laughs> Go to Uncle Mike's now to the movies. He's crazy about Betty Grable. He is? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. The other night we were sitting in the front row in the theater, and when she came on the screen dancing with Dan Daly, Uncle Mike got up and tried to cut in three times. Oh, <laughs> oh come on. The boys are on the beam tonight, and they'll be back on it in just about one minute. But first, let's hear this.
what have you got in that bundle? All kidding aside now. Well, I got a black lace nightgown. Oh, it's for Susan Millet. Uh-uh, it's for me. For, for you? Mm-hmm. You're going to wear a black... <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You're going to wear a, a black lace nightgown? Well, certainly. Just because I'm over 21 doesn't mean I can't be glamorous. You idiot. Where were you last night? Well, I went to the YWCA girls' place play softball. And one girl was running to third base, she slipped and fell and landed in my lap, and boy, was I mad. Why? The umpire made me put her back in the game. <laughs> Damn. Was she, was she a pretty girl? Oh, pretty. Hmm. Yeah, but she was gorgeous. I made a date with her after the game, and butter, did she send me? She did. Yeah, but when I got back, she wasn't there. <laughs> You're late, brother. <laughs> Costello, why do you keep annoying every girl that you meet? Who do you think you are, Casanova? Who do I think I who? Who do you think you are? Casanova? Casanova? Huh? I may not be Casanova, but people say that I'm as good-looking as Van Johnson. Who says that? How do I know? Do you think I go around eavesdropping? <laughs> well, if she's such a pretty girl, why didn't you propose to her and marry her? I can't marry her. I don't know anything about her. What difference does that make? In Africa, a man doesn't even know his wife until after he marries her. What do you mean, in Africa? <laughs> You don't even know what marriage is Yes, I do Marriage is a friendship that got out of control <laughs> Ah, Costello, you shouldn't have any trouble getting... <laughs> Lou, you shouldn't have any trouble getting married Do you know that out here in Hollywood There are two girls for every man? Two girls for every man? Are you sure? Certainly. Then some dirty sneakers got four. <laughs> Costello, it's no use. You'll never get a girl until you settle down and become a man of regular habits. I am a man of regular habits. Then how come you were out until four o'clock this morning with that redhead that lives next door? That's one of my regular habits. I... <laughs> Costello, I can't understand how girls go out with you in the first place. Habit is my terrific magnetism. You've got magnetism? Yes. Last week I picked up two blondes, a redhead, a brunette, and a rusty nail. Right. <laughs> why don't you be why don't you be like me, Costello? I've got away with women. You haven't got away with many lately. I... <laughs> is that so? I happen to be the reason that women leave home. Yes. The day you were born, your mother took one look at you and she hasn't been back since. <laughs> well, I understand that your mother's left Hollywood for a visit to Patterson. Yes, Habit, and I think I'll go back there, too. Well, what's the matter? Don't you like Hollywood? Yes. My body is here and my heart is back in Patterson. It's an awful strain. Why is it... <laughs> Why is it such a strain? It's stretching my arteries all out of shape. <laughs> Well, you must have a lot of happy memories of Patterson, Costello. Oh, yes. When I was a kid back there, they w we were very poor, Abbott. I was the youngest kid, and I never got anything to wear until the others were through with them. Oh, you must have looked pretty funny in those uh, hand-me-downs. Yes, I had 11 sisters. <laughs> I was the only kid on the baseball team that had to lift up his skirts to slide into second base. <laughs> but I'm going back to Patterson. There's my suitcase over there, all packed. Uh, Costello, where did you get the labels on that suitcase? Get a load of this. Yes? Niagara Falls, 1940. Right. Niagara Falls, 1943. That's right. Niagara Falls, 1945. That's right. Niagara Falls, 1947. Sure. Uh, how did you get all those labels on that suitcase? I loaned it to Lana Turner. I... <laughs> Hello, 
boys. Well, well, it's Susan Miller. Costello. Yes? Don't you smell sweet tonight? What have you got on? Oh, Chanel number 10. Oh, you mean Chanel number 5. Why be half safe? <laughs> <laughs> well, I must say you're looking well. <laughs> yes, Costello, you look younger every day. How do you do it? Well, it's the soap I use, Abbott. Every day I wash and rub and wash and rub and pat my face and wash and rub. Oh, do you really use a lot of soap? Do I? Three more cakes and I'll be a Woodbury bride. <laughs> so Luella tells me. Oh, stop shaming you, Costello, taking beauty treatments. Next thing you'll be taking milk baths. I used to take milk baths, Abbott, but I had to give it up. Why? Every time I passed a Bull Durham sign, my ears stood up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> Susan, if you'll go out with me tonight, I'll give you a great big kiss. Hmm, you don't know how to kiss. Kissing takes practice. Even Clark Gable has to practice. Gable practices kissing eight hours a day. Well, I must go get in touch with Clark Gable right away. <laughs> you want him to teach you how to kiss? No, I want to ask him what he does with his old targets. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, I suppose you know the answers to all the jokes? I certainly do. All right. What's the difference between a radio aerial and a clothesline? I don't know, Miss Miller. What is the difference between a radio aerial and a clothesline? A radio aerial draws the waves. Yes. And a clothesline waves the drawers. Uh. <laughs> so long, Festo. Get her, Abbott. Every week she gets more stuck up. Oh, no, I wouldn't say that's stuck up. Susan's not stuck up. She's a high-class girl. She's hoity-toity. She may be hoity, but she'll never see toity again. <laughs> <laughs> and you can put that with the clothesline joke. <laughs> I never want to see either one of them again. Well, somehow I thought they were both good jokes. The audience laughed, didn't they? Well, that's what's wrong with this show, Abbott. Jokes are all right in the wintertime, but this is summer. These people are out in the heat all day. Then they come in here. I tell my terrific jokes and they can't control themselves. They burst out in the laughter and they get overheated. <laughs> I, I haven't noticed anybody perspiring. That's because most of the people here tonight are from Burbank. They sweat inwardly. I... <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, Costello. People like to hear jokes and the weather has nothing to do with it. Yeah, but I'll prove it to you that you're all wrong. I'll ask this man down here in the front row. Hey, mister. Yeah, what do you want? Do you like to hear jokes in the hot weather? Uh, why do you ask? Because when we're going to be on the air, we're going to be on the air for all through the summer. No, no, not that. Yeah, yeah. Anything but that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's the man say? Oh, not that. No, no. no. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> Wait a minute. He gets a check, too, you know. Yes. <laughs> Where? <laughs> How did you get in here? Well, I was outside listening to your program on my car radio, and I came in here to prove something to myself. And I was right. What do you mean you were right? It sounds just as lousy in here as it did out there. <laughs> Habit, it must be the jokes. We've got to cut these jokes out for the summer. It's too hot for the jokes. Well, what do you suggest we do? Let's do murder mysteries, detective stories, chillers. 
Stories that will make their blood run cold. Well, what do you know about detective mysteries, though? I'm reading one right now. Here it is. It's called Under the Bridge with Dick and Harry. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let, let, let me see that book. Mm-hmm. Let me see that book. Why, you dope, it says Unabridged Dictionary. <laughs> You know, I thought it didn't have much of a plot. (laughs) Well, if we're going to do detective mysteries, then we'll have to hire a real detective as a writer and pay him a lot of money. That's the job for my brother, Pat. Is he a detective? No, but he'll keep the money in the family. I... (laughs) Just a minute, you guys. I'm talking to you. Did I hear you say you're going to do detective stories on this program? That's right. Who are you? Abe Shovel. <laughs> Abe Shovel? Yeah. Sam Spade's writer. <laughs> dig me, man. Dig me. <laughs> and if you're going to do detective mysteries, buddy, you got to get all your scripts from me, see? I don't allow nobody to muscle in on my racket. Suppose I don't buy my detective scripts from you. How would you like to have me stick boiling cigarettes in your ears? <laughs> I don't smoke. Very funny. Maybe you'd like your fingernails pulled out with a pair of pliers, your legs broken. Your head bashed in And maybe end up in a wet barrel of cement In the bottom of the river Wait a minute Let me get this straight What? Are you threatening me? (laughs) Watch out, Costello This guy looks pretty tough Yeah? Costello, you got your choice I'll cut you to ribbons Or you can buy your scripts from me Suppose I don't like your choice Well, then you can have your choice of buying your scripts anywhere you please Goodbye now (laughs) And as the plot thickens, we'll ring down the curtain on the nonsense Just long enough to bring you this message Now the singing star of the Abbott and Costello show sings Mary Lou. Here's Susan Miller with Matty Malick's orchestra. Mary Lou, 
Cross my heart I love you Every bell in the steeple Is ready to ring And all the people Are planning pretty presents All for you Mary Lou Won't you give your promise true? Why, for miles around they're waiting to stop their celebrating when you say I do, Mary Lou. Mary Lou. Mary Lou. Cross my heart. I love you, every bell in the steeple is ready to ring, and all the people are planning pretty presents all for you, Mary Lou, won't you give your promise Well, Costello, we're going to do a murder mystery. We'll need a leading lady. Now, how about that blonde actress you're so crazy about? I ain't going with her anymore, have it? We had an argument about mustaches. She likes them and I don't. You mean she wanted you to grow a mustache? No, I wanted her to shave, shave hers off. I... <laughs> I thought she was rather pretty. She has such pearly white teeth. Yes, and when we broke up, I asked her for a picture of her face so I could remember her lovely teeth. Well, did she uh, give you the picture? She didn't have a picture, so she gave me the teeth. I... <laughs> Well, I think this idea for doing detective stories is, is going to be a flop. You know nothing about detectives. Well, my whole family were detectives, Abbott. My Uncle Tom was smart as a whip, but they threw him off the force. Why? They found out there weren't very many smart whips. I, <laughs> I don't believe that. Why, why did Tom really get thrown off the force? Well, if you must know, he was taking bribes. He used to put the money in his shoes, and the chief found it out. If he put the money in his shoes, how did the chief find out? He got 18 inches taller the first week. I... <laughs> Were any of the other Costello's detectives? Yes. Two of my cousins, Bert and Harry. They were working on a case at the racetrack. They had to find a gang that was doping horses. A, a difficult case? Oh, very difficult. Difficult, eh? Yeah, very yeah. difficult. Bert and Harry disguised themselves as a horse and slept in the stables. One night a guy came along and jabbed them full of dope. What did they do? What could they do? They came in third and paid 280. <laughs> Castell, I don't like this idea. If you want to get mixed up with crooks, uh, there's enough of them in your, your own family. Why, your brother Pat is a counterfeiter. He is not. He's just a little ahead of times. He put Dewey's picture on his $5 bills. <laughs> let's, let's forget all this Falderell and Boulder Dash. And get on with our detective story. And now, we present the adventures of Sam Shovel, Master Detective. Brought to you by Army Surplus Sales. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and here is today's radio special. Something no housewife should be without. Yes, today you can buy four dicks. <laughs> so, <laughs> rush over to Army Surplus Sales and buy four dicks. Bring it home and surprise the little woman. And remember, when you buy, insist on the genuine Fort Dix. Do not accept March Field. <laughs> and now for the adventures of Sam Shovel, private detective. <laughs> I'm Sam Shovel, private detective. I'm sitting in my little office down by the waterfront all by myself, playing gin rummy the hard way. The hard way. Without cards. <laughs> I've been playing for two hours, and I owe myself $900. And I'm worried. I know I'm not good for it. Being a private detective isn't a bad racket. I remember the first day I opened this detective office, I threw a party. What a party. <laughs> I bought a carton of beer, and as I was carrying it up the stairs, I tripped. All the bottles were broken. Beer was leaking all over me. Everybody cheered and congratulated me. I had broken my first case. As I'm sitting here now, I feel something creeping up behind me. It's Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicides Bureau. The man who single-handed caught Babyface Nelson, Babyface Cooper, and Babyface Brown, which wasn't too difficult considering they were all babies. <laughs> Detective Abbott speaks. Hello, Sam Shovel. My, it's dark in here. Why don't you pull up the shades? Okay, I will. Sam, it's still dark in here. I know. I don't have any windows. <laughs> Just look at your office. An old herring barrel for a chair, a soapbox for a desk. A rug made out of old newspapers. Yes, you may not believe this. Lieutenant, five years ago I started out with nothing. <laughs> look out! Look out! <laughs> look! I scared you! <laughs> look! You got another fire? You got another one? Look out! Look out! <laughs> hey, look! Somebody made a bullet hole in the ceiling. Just missed killing me. How could a bullet shot at the ceiling hurt you? If I happened to be sitting on a chandelier, I would have been killed. <laughs> Shovel, what made you go into this dangerous business? The prizes. There's prizes in the detective business? Sure. If I'm lucky, I may get to be Ellery Queen for a day. <laughs> awake? <laughs> what was that? 
Oh, just the backfire of an automobile. <laughs> what was that? That must be one of the tires yelling for help. <laughs> that, that sound came from the building next door. Who occupies it? The Universal International Overseas Interstate Trucking Company. Where do they ship to? Glendale. <laughs> We'd better go next door and investigate. It may be the killer. Where will I get my weapons? My gun, my blackjack, and today's newspaper. Today's, today's newspaper is a weapon? If I miss with the gun and the blackjack, I'll show him the headlines in the paper and he'll worry himself to death. <laughs> Let's go. We will silently creep up on him. I said we're quietly creeping. All right, all right. I said we're creeping. What kind of sound man are you? Don't you know what a creep is? I should. I've been working for you for five years. <laughs> Never mind him. Let's go in. Help. Help. Hey, look. Look. There's a man on the floor. He's in trouble. What happened, mister? Oh, I've been stabbed. They put a bullet in my shoulder, a dagger in my back, and all my ribs are broken. Oh. Does it hurt? Only when I... <laughs> Does it hurt, mister? Only when I laugh. I... <laughs> Come, man. Tell us who stabbed you. It was... It was... <coughs> this, this man is dead. We've got, to... <laughs> We've got to find out who the killer is. I know. I'll ask Herman the stool pigeon. He'll sell us the information. What makes you so sure he will? For money, Herman would sell his own grandmother. How do you know? I bought her three times already. <laughs> well, I left Lieutenant Abbott and went looking for Herman the stool pigeon. Then I'm in a trip to the Los Angeles waterfront, the toughest part of town. What a tough neighborhood. The only place in Los Angeles where the pedestrians knocked the cars down. <laughs> I was scared. Plenty scared. My throat was so dry I could feel the seeds in my Adam's apple. <laughs> I drew my trusty revolver. I didn't know whether to put it in my holster or in my pocket. Then I decided to check if the gun was loaded. I held it against my head and pulled the trigger. Putting the gun in the hole in my head, I started for the docks. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly I heard a voice. Psst, psst, what Sam. are you psst like that for? Sam. Me, Detective Abbott. It's dark. I can't see you. I'm here on the wharf. On the what? Wharf, wharf, wharf. I can't hear a word you're saying. There's a dog barking someplace. <laughs> After three days and nights, I located Detective Abbott. Then suddenly a voice cried out, Keep the 
the house lights down, boys, we'll have a curtain call by Abbott and Costello after a final reminder on this subject. Costello, you're some detective. Uh, did you solve the case? Oh, sure. My clues led me to the Burbank Theater. And what do you think? What? I found the Gorse girl's faces covered with fingerprints. Uh, uh, whose were they? Mine. Oh, good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody in person. Listen each Wednesday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Charles Vanda, and featuring Susan Miller and Matty Malnick in his orchestra. This is George Fenneman saying goodbye until this same time next Wednesday. Be sure to stay tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station. <laughs>